We at Autism in Color believe in letting people express themselves in the manner that they are most comfortable. We respect their freedom of speech and their voices. The views that our guests express are not always aligned. Well, well, hope you are. Thank you for having us. We are. Y'all look beautiful as usual. Thank you. Same to both of you. Thank you. At Autism in Color, we are happy to have been able to get this interview with the grants. years now but it's definitely years with a few s's on the end (laughs) and we both share in our advocacy for autism and so I'm going to give the grants an opportunity to share about their son they have a son his name is Corey and we're going to ask them a few questions and be ready for the answers our listening audience (laughs) (laughs) tell us about when you received the diagnosis of autism and what was it like for you all? Okay, we received the diagnosis of autism for Corey when he was about three years old. Um, we noticed, well, we, we are the parents of three children who are no longer children, but are adults. Um, we have two boys. Our son Cam is now 26. Our son Corey, who we're talking about today is 24. And our daughter, Carisi, is 20 years old. So when Cam and Corey, our two boys, were young, we noticed that there were differences in their development. They're only two years apart, but we could tell that when Corey was younger, he was developing at a different rate from the way his brother did, which didn't really concern us in the beginning at all, because we know that everybody does things their own way. But we noticed um, Corey had reached the age of 18 months, and he still wasn't walking. He was crawling everywhere, but not walking. And climbing. And climbing, yes. And crawling, crawling and climbing. And climbing. But not walking. <laughs> and making sure he gestured to everything he wanted. So right. he made his needs known, but he wasn't talking and he wasn't walking. Right. So at the, I think it was probably that weekend when we sat down saying, we should probably see someone about this, that Corey decided he was going to walk. Right. And the same day that he decided he was going to walk, he was running right. by the he, end of that day. So he, he didn't go from crawling and walking, even from crawling and running. Yes. You know, because we stood him up between us and you know how you hold your child and say, go to daddy or mommy. When yeah. I let go, he ran down the hall. So it was like, <laughs> I didn't know y'all guys wanted me to do this thing, so I'm going to do it. So, and that's what he did. Uh, so yeah, but we still, uh, we, we had a good laugh about that, but we still had some concerns. Mm-hmm. So Candace um, encouraged us to go to the Carter G. Watkins Center in Charlotte and we uh, had a diagnosis of autism. I wasn't, we didn't know a lot about it at, at the time. I wasn't so on board, you know, with, with the diagnosis at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, I saw that this was the case, you know, as we saw. Because the only, I guess the only thing we saw with autism was the, the severe cases. And we thought, Corey, because it wasn't a severe case, that it, it didn't, you know, autism is a spectrum, you know. Right. So what we did was uh, we worked with him and we, went to, we tried to work with getting him into regular classrooms and stuff like that to no avail. They didn't, they didn't work out. And so we started seeing success once we put him in an autism focus. Self-contained. Yeah, yeah. self-contained mm-hmm. classroom. I remember the first time we took him to a daycare. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, sorry. I remember first we took him to a daycare and uh, we dropped him off and then we got a call back saying, you know, well, we, we think something, you know, and they were very 
polite and gentle with trying to let us know that our son was not, Corey was not like the other kids, you know, so we told, we, we knew, you know, but, you know, we pulled him out that same day anyway, because they made it clear that they weren't equipped to handle uh, watching Corey. Well, good uh, for so, them. Good for, but good for yeah. them recognizing their own limitations and not wasting, you know, wasting Corey's time and, and possibilities and capabilities of learning. Right, exactly. I'm sorry. I said, thank you for saying that, actually. So many years later, I think back to that experience and I remember how, you know, flustered I was and how nervous and anxious and getting that call. And first of all, I was already nervous about dropping. I was never the mom that was found it easy to drop my kids off anywhere. And so to get that call that something wasn't quite right, I remember how nervous I was. And then for them to say that they were, I could see them trying very hard to figure out how to word what they wanted to say. You know, something's they didn't want to say something's wrong and they didn't mm -hmm. want to say that he's not normal. But they were trying very hard to say we noticed some differences. And like Keith said, we said, oh, yeah, we're we're aware we're aware. So they, I literally saw them breathe a sigh of relief. They were like, oh, God. yeah. Maybe. OK, you know. <laughs> Woo! Okay. <laughs> yes, because for them that was half the battle. They were like, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you were there. So they right. go into what they were um what they were seeing. Right. right. Exactly. But I thank you for saying that. That's a really good point. That at least they were astute enough to kind of tell us and tell Corey in the beginning so that it didn't waste time. That's that's actually a really good way to reframe it. At yeah. the time, I was just so flustered. I never thought about it that way. So yeah. I just mentioned that's that's well, true. You know, it's all, it's really all about perspective with, with yeah. all of it. It's really all, all on how you look at it. And um, I did want to ask uh, how long, when, when you did get his, when you did get him tested, how long was the process for that between you kind of calling, going in, having him tested and, and all of that? Was that a long process? I would say within a couple of weeks from the initial call mm -hmm. to actually the actual visit. Uh, it's been, you know, a few, a few years now, almost 20 years now, but after I recall, it, it was a, 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 a couple of weeks because back then, um, autism wasn't as well known as it is now. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't a lot of information on it, uh, but people more and more folks are being identified as, as uh, what they call autistic today. So back then people, you know, they were, it was like a slight backlog with, with the assessment, but nothing that wasn't too long that it couldn't be managed. Mm -hmm. So two weeks was pretty uh, acceptable. Well, I say, <laughs> yeah. you can barely get a regular doctor's appointment in two weeks, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. exactly, exactly. So you're right, it had to be a, a few weeks. It was so long ago, I can't remember specifically, but I don't remember being feeling like it was an unusual amount of time. Yeah, so. it wasn't It wasn't a terrible amount of time. Well, I remember when I, when I met you, Candace, you had come into the school and you were very on edge, I want to say, right? <laughs> because I think Corey was just starting school for the first time and you had stated that you, had, you were homeschooling him. And so this was new. Yes. So tell me about that process. You're exactly right. After we pulled him from the, the daycare, that's when we decided, okay, we could tell that he could benefit from some speech therapy and from occupational therapy because I had literally driven him all around Charlotte to see almost everyone that I could find after doing research on what autism looked like. 
and everybody kind of came to the same conclusion. You know, it, he would benefit from having speech. Have you thought about letting him go to school through CMS? And at the time, as you mentioned, we were homeschooling. So I thought, mm -hmm. well, no, I don't really want to do that. But learning that we could get those resources for free through the school system just made sense. Yeah. So we started that process. And you're right. I met you shortly after he um, we went to the school and I was a wreck because I, I, I <laughs> in addition to just already being a nervous parent about dropping my kids off anywhere, the fact that Corey wasn't able to communicate verbally at that time. I didn't know what his day was going to be like. And I didn't know the people there. I didn't know anything. And I just I could not. I couldn't make myself understand how I was supposed to be comfortable with the idea of leaving him in a classroom with people that I didn't know. Um, I just, I was very on edge. That, that's exactly the right way to describe it. So I just, I wouldn't leave. My answer was, I would just stay there all day. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. <laughs> you became a volunteer. They should have started paying you. That's literally what the principal started saying. I need to put you on payroll. I said, yeah, we might need to work that out because I'm going to be here every day because I don't know any of you and I'm not leaving That's him here. Right. <laughs> That's right. So are you in the classroom with him? Yes, every day. And I would show up there with my notebook and my pen. And I, I also wanted to learn what they were going to do to help connect with him, you know, because I never felt like we didn't have a connection with Corey personally. Um, I just wanted to understand how to help him be able to communicate so that he could have his wants and needs fulfilled, you know? I always saw the genius that he is. I could see who he was and I felt like I, I knew him, but I wanted to be able to help him be able to express himself better. So I was there to learn everything they had. I wanted to know what strategies they were going to use and how we could replicate them at home. So that's how I saw my job was to be there learning and kind of soaking everything up. So, um, so what did you learn? Well, I, I learned a little bit about the pick symbol they use, the little pictorial, um, squares that they use that are items that take pictures of everyday items and actions and with the I guess labeling them at the bottom bottom so that those students who have not yet learned to communicate verbally mm -hmm. could pick whichever slide they needed to be able to communicate what they wanted. So at first we use things like that with Corey trying to see if that might help him be able to communicate what he wanted or what he didn't want. Um, I watched the speech therapist to see how he or she depending on who was there at the time what strategies they would use. And I tried to mimic those at home. Uh, Dynabox. Yeah, we learned that about, exactly, thank you, about the Dynabox and all kinds of audio. What, what's it, is that audio, what are those tools called now? Mm -hmm. um, the technologies around yes. communication. Exactly, so that you can help a person it? learn as they're developing speech. Yeah. So what, did, what, did that, uh, what did that unit do? What was the function of it? So Because Corey was able to, he, he can write, you know, but didn't speak. You can type into it and just give him a voice mm -hmm. and let it speak for him. So that that's what Dynavok gave uh, advantage of that. We didn't use it long because it was right at the same time that tablets came out and I got him a tablet and kind of did the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it kind of was the predecessor to him finding his, his, his voice. But around 11 or 12, Corey actually began to start speaking in, in some, some words, mm -hmm. uh, which was amazing to us. One of his first words was no. You know, uh, <laughs> that's typical. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yes and no came first. And then he started stringing some other uh, words together. So he has his Corey language, but it's still he's able to communicate a lot better now. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that, those that that that's kind of what we learned maybe taking him into the school. Mm -hmm. We also had the chance to have him uh, take occupational therapy. And I feel that was really helpful for him. Right. Um, because it taught us how to nurture his sensory system. 
since like a lot of people diagnosed with autism, uh, Corey is highly sensitive to his environment. Mm -hmm. um, his, we noticed, for example, a lot, he would, particularly with him, he always had his ears covered. Right. So um, at that time, we learned a lot about sensory, uh, what is it, sensory? Integration. It's sensory integration, but the headphones in particular. We just found different ways to, to help him cope and be comfortable in his environment. So now he wears these nose, noise cancellation headphones. That's it. Thank you. Uh, yes. Headpiece, head along with um, he carried around STEM tools. Some other things, services and stuff we got from allowing him to go to school was occupational therapy, speech therapy, all before we were paying out of pocket. Mm -hmm. But going to the school system, we kind of leveraged that. So it saved us some, some money and, and time because he was able to get that during school hours, uh, both of those, both of those services. So were those services um, afforded to him through his IEP? Yes, they were. They yes, were. exactly. And that was a process to not knowing anything about the individual education plan. Uh, we learned more about it. I think Kansas became an advocate and assist other people when they began, was introduced to their children. So mm -hmm. she was just helping there. But yeah, it, we had the IEP once a year. I think it's once a year. Mm -hmm. uh, once a year and really made it very specific to what Corey, to help Corey learn and, and uh, help him grow within that environment. And that is where Becky came in. I'm sorry, because I remember I would have conversations with Becky and she was very inspiring to me. She gave me little tips along the way, helping me to understand exactly how I could craft that IEP, making sure that I said exactly what he needed. So I, I thank you again, Becky, because those little chats helped me more than you know they did. Okay. Right, because what we have to realize that the, the IEP, which stands for the Individualized Educational Plan for Each Child, that we as parents, we recognize what our kid can do in the home, but sometimes they're not exhibiting that same behavior in the school. So the school system right. may see them as being low on the autism scale when in fact, we know that they're higher. So we have to learn not to take our emotions into a meeting because we're like, well, our kid can do this or they can do that, but no. We yeah. can go with what you all say. We can right. go with what you all have to say because we realize that, you know, we need the services. That's exactly right. That's right. Exactly right. Yes, well put. That's it. And we use that advice to this day because Corey now has an ISP as a young adult and okay. um, individual gonna... service plan, I believe that's what that's called. Okay. And every year we still have a meeting and every year we practice that same strategy and it's been helpful. Okay. <laughs> and with that said, we will take a brief pause for the cause and we will be right back with Autism in Color with LeBecky, Siobhan, and Keith and Candace Grant. Hi, this is your girl Siobhan from Autism in Color, calling all businesses, independent artists, and nonprofits. If you have a product, service, or music that the world absolutely needs to know about, contact Autism in Color. You can reach us at autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. Again, that's autismincolorinfo at gmail.com. And you can call us at 704-835-3605. Again, that's 704-835-3605. Call us at Autism in Color because we are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. And with our worldwide audience, we can put your business in the streets. This segment is being brought to you by Let's Talk About It, the Autism Center. 
serving young adults with ASD ages 17 through 40 and their caregivers since 2018. Check out our website and get to know more about us and find out about our upcoming events. You can find us at letstalkaboutittheautismcenter.org. You can email us at letstalk1922 at gmail.com or you can call us at 704-835-3605. Let's talk about it. The Autism Center and Autism in Color are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back to Autism in Color with LaBecky, Siobhan, and Keith and Candace Grant. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you. Hi. So prior to our break, we were talking about the ISP plan that you all have. And I, I know that you have that plan. That plan is with the managed care organization. Yeah. Right. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about how the ISP plan works and right. what the letters stand for? Right. So ISP is uh, stands for uh, Individual Service Plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, once someone, once an individual graduates high school, uh, the IEP individual uh, education plan goes away and starts something called an ISP, which is individual service plan that you would get with an organization once you uh, team with an organization. It doesn't come automatically. You have to you know, apply and become part of an organization to continue services uh, for that. And it's very similar to an IEP, but it, this it's ISP for services. So these services include uh, day support, where they would uh, work with an individual or a group and get into uh, the, the, uh, the, the community, uh, community, um, what's that one called? Community networking. Community networking, is yeah. another service uh, which enables Corey or people who have this service to be able to go out into the community to connect with people who do not have a diagnosis of any kind. Mm-hmm. So the idea there is to make sure that they are actually interacting with the true community right. and not being isolated as um, in years past, years and years and years ago, when individuals diagnosed with special healthcare needs were together, they were commonly kept together and away from common society. Right, isolated, you know, kept apart from anybody else. So community network allows them to be part of the community, visible, be seen, and let the community and them engage one another. Exactly, you know? yeah. Uh, and they have, uh, they do that in group or as individuals. Uh, additionally, they have uh, supported employment where they'll go out into and, and actually work at a job in the community somewhere. Corey had a few opportunities. Uh, he worked at a place called Cabin at Your Foods. Uh, he also worked at a place where he did data, data entry. So he did, and he also worked on a, uh, what's that donation place called? Um, where he would sort the clothes. Oh, that was different. Um, okay. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. We'll back up a second. The place that Keith's mentioning is Second Harvest. But instead of that being a supported employment example, that was actually an example of community networking, that service we mentioned, that makes sure the individuals are being used or being out in the community with everyone else. Mm -hmm. With that service, you can either volunteer somewhere, you can take a class somewhere, or you can just kind of enjoy a community activity. So that is a good example of community networking. Corey went to Second Harvest and he volunteered there, like a lot of other businesses do with their employees. He would go in and he would volunteer packaging up things, helping them be shipped and sorted. Yeah. He's taking classes with that service. Yeah. Um, he's done 
Going to the gym at the, the gym, Y. The y to work out. classes. Right. Art classes, music classes. Mm -hmm. uh, he's done a lot, you mm -hmm. know. With that particular service. And then uh, more recently, when COVID started, the services started to shut down. So we had to be more creative into finding things for him to do. And mm -hmm. uh, we, we, we've been, uh, I'd say, slightly successful. Mm -hmm. uh, but our goal for the, it, it really, because we couldn't find anything, to start up our own day program or something like that in the near future. We don't have anything planned out yet, but we will. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so so just kind of do, do close the loop on this. Okay. I'm sorry, but before you do, there, there are another two more services. Oh yeah. Corey also receives respite, which enables Corey to be able to visit with um, his assistant, doing things in the community that are just fun for him, whatever right. it is he wants to do. While Keith and I get a bit of a break, mm -hmm. and the third service that he has is uh, CLS. I believe that's. Oh, is it community living living supports? They changed it. It yeah. used to be personal care, but I deliver that service for him. So Keith and I write goals for each of these categories mm -hmm. and decide what things Corey should be working on. Of course, using Corey as our guide. Right. And so personal care or CLS service means that I get to help him with his daily living skills. Right. And so, she gets paid for this also. Right. Like a regular job. So mm -hmm. basically for CLS, she, uh, Candace may help Corey do the laundry, mm -hmm. uh, wash dishes or something you would do around the house, mm -hmm. you know, and every once in a while they would come and monitor that just to see that he's able that he's progressing in each uh, one of these uh, services, CLS, um, community network, community network yeah. everything but respite we have goals there mm -hmm. and you know for example the the uh, community networking maybe Corey is responsible for paying for his own item you know and they help go to the register and count that out uh for um supportive employment whatever the job has him doing you know if there's data entry Corey's is able to enter say four things on his own without any prompting or limited prompting. Mm -hmm. So we have to go through each one of your services, identify goals, the short progression. And then as the years go on, we meet once a year, much like an IEP, and then we update the goals and then we find new goals or increase the goals that he has or modify them slightly. And I'll add one more thing before we move forward. Uh, with supported employment, Corey or individuals with this plan can either work a job or they can start their own business. Right. So. I thought that was important to add. So what Corey's doing now is he's uh, he's painting. He's really gotten into painting and art. So we've decided we're going to have him selling his paintings. Right. And we're setting up an Etsy shop so that he'll be able to do that online. Uh, since that's, that's cool. something he's really gravitated towards. So and I'm looking at NFTs because we can take this and make an NFT out of it. So, yeah. What so is an NFT? Like uh, Non-fungible... Um, I don't know. Non something. I've got the T stand for NFT. But anyway, it's very popular right now. You 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 put an image or a, a digital image out there, and whoever um, has that digital image pretty much owns it. You know, if you look it up, it's very very popular. It could be lucrative, or you know, it could just be a way just to to uh, make some money for him. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm looking into that. Okay. So it sounds like you all have been successful with your managed care organization. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, I'm sorry, Becky, it reminds me back of, of the days in school, though. It still requires that same level of advocacy that we had to do in IEP meetings to make sure that the services that we knew um, our children needed were being given. It's still, it is, it's still that. It's still that every year coming to the table saying, here's our evidence showing where he needs this service. We still have to kind of make our case every year 
non non fungible token. That's it. Non fungible token NFT. Okay. But yeah, we're we're looking into that. I gotta look into that myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would do. You should. And all your listeners do. Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe we could have a whole conversation about that at some point. Right. You have it does like I said before, it doesn't come uh automatically. You have to get on a wait list. And we were on a wait list for we got Corey on the wait list. Well, he was it was it was like 10 years, he was on the wait list. He longer than 10 years. He was on the wait list when he yes at the age of three. Yes. Wow. After he had the diagnosis. And um it came through when he was 17. Yes. So 14 years. Right. And the only reason it came through there because there was a clerical error on their end. Right. And they tried legally tried to fix it. And the way they fixed it was to make us make sure that we got our services. But they had our address messed up somehow. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it, it that clerical error, like I said, we were on that late wait list for like almost 15 years before we got to, into the program. So okay. if you can get in the wait list early uh, to, for these services, do that because the list is long mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people on it. And, and it, it's just the earlier you're going to, the better. So they had your address incorrect. They had yes. it incorrect. So what we we were told and what we learned, if somebody is applying for the services for their their loved one or their child, I recommend every so often, every six months to a year, call and say I'm just checking in because I did that every yeah. six months checking in just to see that they have everything they need. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful that we did that. Also, it helps if diagnoses change right. to right. call. So I was told by the woman who was actually over the program, listen, stay in touch with me. If anything changes, whether you whether it works or not, call me. So if, if Corey's diagnosis changes or something happens and you think I might need to know, just let me know. And, and it did change because Corey began to have seizures mm-hmm. uh, at around 14. Uh, a lot of folks with autism have to have seizures sometimes, I think one in four. And then um, he got a, uh, we got him on seizure medication and we believe that the medication that he was on for seizures began to affect his kidney. So now he's experiencing some kidney failure. Mm-hmm. So each one of those diagnoses, you know, he's not just has a diagnosis of autism, but epilepsy and kidney failure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember speaking with Candace and she was, she was telling me that Corey was experiencing the seizures and about the medication and she stated and you stated Candace that you were you all were thinking about taking him off that medication and using medicinal cannabis and, yes. and so could you tell us listen our listening audience how it worked or did it work okay yes okay so as Keith said Corey started having seizures at around the age of 14 um and we went to the hospital, we spoke with, at that time, what was a pediatric neurologist. And she, in the beginning, we weren't really interested in medication. We thought it was kind of maybe a one-time thing. Uh, So we kind of left it alone. And I think he went another six months and didn't have another seizure. But after six months, he did. And then we started seeing them happen a little more regularly. So that's when we started talking about medication. We started different types of medication. Um, I don't know if I should call the names of them, but what we found is that none of them actually worked effectively in stopping the seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was our concern. We thought, well, he's on this medicine, but it's not really doing anything. Right. Um, so we did it for a while. Um, then after several years and in, during those years, changing from one medication to another, just right. to see if there'll be anything that would work. 
uh, Corey eventually grew out of his pediatric phase and we had to go to an adult neurologist. And there they recommended another kind of medication. So by that time, he was taking two anti-seizure medications at once. Wow. And we still weren't seeing any change. So yeah. what they recommended was, well, hey, why don't we double the dosage and let's see if that does anything. So in doubling the dose, after a few months of doing that, that's when we started noticing changes in his kidney function. Mm. I could tell there was a difference just because frankly, I'm a kidney transplant recipient and I'm a little bit paranoid about kidney function for everybody. So I'm always trying to push water and making sure that people are doing what they're supposed to to attend to the kidney function. So with Corey, what I would notice is after he would leave the restroom, frankly, I noticed an odor about his urine that wasn't there before. So I mentioned that to Keith saying, something smells different. It's not quite the same. Then I, I kind of made it a point to be there after he was finished using the restroom, just to kind of be able to glimpse to see how things were looking. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing that his urine looked different. It was foamy, it was bubbly. And I knew for myself, that's that's not right. Mm -hmm. So we went to the, uh, the doctor. Uh, first, we went to the general practitioner. And I just said, I'd like to do some lab work just to kind of check his kidney function. At that time, the kidney function was fine, but it did indicate that there was some sort of um, protein. protein in his urine. Mm -hmm. And that's what led us to take him to my kidney doctor, my nephrologist. And at the time, everything seemed okay, but they did notice that protein. So we went back to the neurologist saying, look, there's changes in his kidney function. We're not excited about this. We want the medicine cut. Mm -hmm. So we eventually began to pull back off of that medicine. And we'd already been doing all kinds of research on CBD oil. So that's when we decided we would like to try some of that. Right. And CBD oil is a byproduct of cannabis. Um, a lot of people use it for you know, relaxation. But for us, one of the major uh, breakthrough, breakthroughs with CBD oil was it assists with seizures. Mm -hmm. So once we began um, with CBD, uh, Candace and I have a, a connection with a, a manufacturer here in Charlotte. And uh, we began to use their services. Um, they were... We did see a change in the the severity and the uh, of the of the uh, of the seizures, and uh, we just started down that path. Mm -hmm. Okay, and with that said, we will take a brief pause for the cause, and we will return shortly with Autism in Color with Lebecky, Siobhan, and Keith and Candace Grant. Hello, Autism in Color family. This is your girl, Siobhan, and LeBecky and I wanted to let you know that Let's Talk About It, the Autism Center Incorporated, is holding its inaugural Autism Spectrum Disorder Awareness Bowl. It's going to be held on Saturday, April 23rd from 1230 to 3 p.m. at the AMF University Lanes at 5900 North Tryon Street, Charlotte, North Carolina. You can purchase your tickets at bowlforautismawareness.eventbrite.com. Again, that's boldforautismawareness.eventbrite.com. This is an inaugural fundraising event, so we expect you to turn out and turn up and have a blast with us, okay? Because we at Let's Talk About It, the Autism Center and Autism in Color are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. Welcome back to Autism in Color with LaBecky Siobhan and Keith and Candace Grant. So prior to the break, we were talking about Corey having seizures. And I have a question about whether or not 
you're finding, can, can it be the environment or something that he's eating? Or sometimes when we have these thunderstorms or overcast, just rain, mm -hmm. I'm a migraine sufferer and I know, I just never know from day to day what's going, going to happen. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's similar in that. We hadn't found a direct correlation between anything. But we do take seizure logs and the logs we, we just document as much as we can, what he ate earlier that day, the, the weather, the moon cycle, um, if he got enough sleep, if he was hungry, you know, we, we just document everything to try to identify a particular pattern uh, when he has a seizure. So, um, yeah, so we, we hadn't really nailed down anything yet, nor have we found the right combination of medicines or, I said, cannabis. Saying the most thing, the thing that worked best was um, cannabis. Right now, cannabis byproducts in the form of CBD. Mm -hmm. We're looking at going full cannabis uh, here pretty soon uh, because we feel that that's going to be um, the, the 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 better course for core and getting completely off medication. Now, that's what we think is going to work. Now, we don't say it's going to work for everybody, but that's what we're going to give it a shot. So that's you know just a disclaimer. That's what we're looking at doing. Okay. And I, I will. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, but to your point, as Keith said, you're right. We have noticed some correlation, no cause, but right. correlation. If the weather has shifted, we've noticed some differences in maybe behavior and possible seizures. Definitely some things he's eaten. Right. Like we greatly reduced the amount of potatoes he eats, especially in the form of tater tots, much to his dismay. Yeah, he likes we have pretty those. much kicked those out because <laughs> something about tater tots and seizures were kind of neck and neck. So mm -hmm. buy tater tots. Um, yeah. um, like some off-brand candy from oh my uh, god the candy what was it uh, the Dollar, Dollar Tree. Tree yeah Dollar Tree would go as part of his community service community network and go and go shopping he would go to Dollar Tree and load up on candy before as soon as he gets home while we're talking to his uh, aide that took him out there he's wolfing down candy mm -hmm. and then and in, in the house we come back in and half the pack is gone. And we let him know, then, you know, within 24 hours, he has a seizure. Yeah. So we do find a little correlation, you know, mm -hmm. and control as much as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, like to Candace's point, it's a lot of ingest, anything that he kind of eats or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So causes, definitely yeah. sugar, potatoes, there's certain things, to Becky's point, that do uh, trigger. Mm -hmm. They're more likely to trigger a seizure. So we're not sure about the root cause, but we do find that there's some uh, correlation. One other thing I did notice uh, when we were logging, there's a long time where he would have his, his seizure. You may have at least a, one seizure between the 19th and the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And then from the first to the, from the first to the 18th, it's fine. In 19th, end of the month, we kind of keep our eyes open because the seizure was coming. And it could be one seizure uh, one day. It could be seven seizures in one day. It could be four seizures across a course of four days. But it's always after the 19th and before the 30th or 31st, mm -hmm. you know, that that segment. And that's why we started looking at the moon and everything else. We couldn't figure out what it is. Right. And that, that's kind of seems what the, the pattern now. It kind of dipped into like um I think when the time changes or season change, it might start up in the first or the second of the month a little bit, but then it kind of levels back off mm -hmm. as the months go on, 19th in the month. Yeah. It's always gonna happen. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if this is the time to mention it. We do have a um a new technology that we're adding along with the right. use of uh, medical cannabis that we're using. We have, Corey has a traditional neurologist, your everyday medical neurologist, and he also has a holistic neurologist. Right. So the holistic neurologist, which was new to us, 
is great because he makes suggestions that the traditional neurologist might not know about to kind of work together. So the holistic neurologist introduced us to something called a non-invasive VNS. For a lot of people who are diagnosed with epilepsy, there's this device called a VNS device. A vagal nerve stimulator. Mm -hmm. A vagal nerve stimulator. And it's a small metal device that's inserted just under the skin, mm -hmm. kind of like a pacemaker, but not exactly. Very thin piece of metal that's divided, uh, inserted under the, um, the skin and wraps around the longest nerve in the body called the vagal nerve. So mm -hmm. underneath the skin, there's this wire that's wrapped there attached to this little metal plate. And there's a magnet that goes along with it. And the thought is that if someone's having a seizure or feels one coming on, they can take that magnet and wave it over that metal plate and it hopes to short circuit the seizure if it right. works. So that's something that the traditional neurologist first said, hey, do you think this might be something you want to try since you guys are not interested in medication? Mm -hmm. um, maybe that would be a non-medicated way to help control seizures. We were not as interested in that though because it is slightly invasive. And as we pointed out to them, you know, after reading about this, it sounds like a good treatment if it works. But also I said, I noticed that you are relying on the person to tell you when they feel a seizure coming on mm -hmm. to be able to communicate that. As we pointed out, Corey's not at the place where he's going to communicate with you how he feels. Right. He's not yet there. I'm sure he's aware that it's coming, but he right. doesn't yet tell us that it's, that it's coming. Additionally, we learned that if we found that the, the device did not work for him, they were still going to keep that wire wrapped around his nerve underneath. And while they said, oh, you know, we, we've had people do this and had no problem. I don't like the idea of a foreign object being introduced to his fine. body. and just I didn't like it indefinitely. Yeah. Right. So instead, the holistic neurologist said there is a non-invasive version of this so that you don't have to do it that way. This uh, just has a clip that Corey puts on the edge of his um, ear or on the tragus yeah, like in his this. ear. Yeah. It just kind of clips there and it connects to a phone. There's an app there and it's just sending a gentle pulse to that same nerve. Right. And, and he does that for five minutes every night. Hmm. All right, five minutes. We do it at night, but five minutes yeah. doing it a day. Right. You know, and um, it was funny because uh, anybody can use it. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to see if it worked and I put it on myself and I felt initially when I did it, I didn't feel anything because um, you can amp it up. Uh, starts at 10 amps and goes up to, I don't know how high it goes, but um, I began to start feeling something around 30, 40, and 50. And so I'm like, okay, this is, this is, something's going on. I didn't just pay this amount of money for this thing that's just a wire, but it, it's actually doing something. So mm -hmm. that, I was excited about that. Mm -hmm. okay. And for the record, uh, it works for people who have had seizures, some people with migraines, mm -hmm. people with different sure. neurological um, issues. And uh, so that's what we're also trying right now. Okay. Yeah. And is it is that little flap like right right inside your ear? It can go there and it can go around the, the back. Oh, it can go there and it can go. Uh, oh, you're yeah, blurry. around. Yeah, it can go there and it, there's my hand. It, it, it go blurry. Yeah, so <laughs> it can go right around the, the ear like this. Some of you see it. So it can okay. go right this flap. That's that there. It's a tragus. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it can go right around the back of the ear, but it's a clamp. Mm -hmm. You know, okay. sit right there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you have you ever considered acupuncture? Because yes, great. I, I was going to say because back in 1992 when I used to smoke cigarettes, <laughs> I used acupuncture to quit, and that was one of the things that the doctor put in my he put a clip in my ear so that if I felt like I wanted to smoke in the three days that it took me to quit, 
Right. All I had to do was press it. And that thing hurt. (laughs) I guess it was pressing on a nerve to take away the urge. Right. So I had to go three consecutive days. And in those days, I quit smoking. I've never smoked again. That's great. Yes, we we actually have seen um, an acupuncturist. The one that we saw happens to be someone that's close to some friends of ours. So he's in Winston-Salem. We happened to go there to see him. Um, And Corey did well with that particular treatment. So we'd like to continue. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. We have done that. I would like to see us do that more regularly. Maybe now that the weather is leveling out, once we get to a more stable place, maybe we can do that. And actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because the app that the uh, VNS that uses, there's a whole section if you open the app up some more, and I just found this out, about pressure points, acupuncture points within the body. And I'll show it to you uh, later. But yes, it's a lot of information on that because you, you're exactly right about the, acu- the, the pressure points. Yes, I really believe in acupuncture because I remember asking the doctor, I says, well, what happens if I smoke again? He said, well, it would be because you want to. Mm. Yeah, that. <laughs> so I've never wanted to smoke again. Good for you. That. that is great. Yeah, so it really works. I believe in, in acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Also, since you've started the cannabis, how often or not is Corey having seizures? Well, he's still having them, mm-hmm. um, but it may be, it's still kind of within that range, I said, but it may just be one. Uh, the fun thing is, as he gotten older and more mature, uh, he started having them, uh, you know, he had them that late at night, you know, like one or two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. okay. you know. Uh, so we are, that's what's making us step up our, our, uh, our cannabis uh, treatment, because it's not like it was, thank God. Mm-hmm. We're noticing changes by introducing cannabis, uh, cannabis byproducts. So we just, it's, it's like any other medication. It's time to look at it, increase it, or do some type of modification to address it. Mm-hmm. Or, or change the, the time of day that you give it. Uh, I was going to say, what we did, to your point, what we did have to do, we decided to kind of play with the dosage mm-hmm. um, because we administer it uh, with drops, right. um, a liquid version. So what we did notice is that we modified the amount that we're giving him in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. So we kind of got into a rhythm now where we understand that we can't give him too much CBD oil in the evening because for some reason in Corey's body, too much CBD oil means he'll stay awake where it's supposed to be relaxing. It's somehow stimulating him. So we've learned through trial and error that no more than a certain amount of drops or he's going to be up all night, lying right. down, kind of staring at the ceiling. Staring at the ceiling, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we have had to play with amounts and times of day. And I will mention also, uh, we use CBD oil and we also have used uh, a hemp elixir and a couple of other things made by another friend who owns her own company. Um, she is a parent of a child diagnosed with an extreme seizure condition. Mm. And she has been incredible in educating us about cannabis and in supplying additional um, goods that we can give to Corey. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Can I ask what, when Corey does have a seizure, how does it manifest? What happens to him? Yeah. So he has a spectrum of seizures. There there are different types. There's what they call the the petite mall or used to be called petite mall, where it's just little one where he kind of just stares off. And he might start drooling a little bit, but he's non-responsive. Mm-hmm. And then that will come and then it goes. And then the, the more 
I think the petite mall also called absence uh, absence seizures. seizures. Mm-hmm. Those are small ones. Then they have the, the larger ones to call the grand mall, where his body goes completely rigid and he shakes, you know, the ones that people are scared of, you know, to see because no one knows really what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has those uh, also. And when those come on, um, he makes this sound. Mm-hmm. And thank God we have a a, a, a dog, uh, uh, Kenny Corso, mm-hmm. uh, where he's on tune. He's on his job. One of the jobs is that he lets us know Corey's having a seizure. Even if we don't mm-hmm. hear it, he'll go crazy. And he and this is without training now, I, I guess, because he's he's part of the family. He let us know, take us where Corey is, and we he, catch him having a seizure. So um, that that's and he makes it. Sometimes he makes a noise before. This is Corey. Sometimes makes a noise before it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's silent before it happens. But uh, our dog is there to help out. If we if we can hear it, great. If we can't hear it, he 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 can hear it. So he lets right. us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, we should mention that depending on the severity of those grand mal seizures where his body is tense and going rigid and he's convulsing, mm-hmm. he he's been known to bite his tongue right. so, so badly yeah. where blood is just pouring. Um, and then afterwards, you see that he's kind of, you know, holding his tongue out to the side. Yeah. So we've had to have a certain mouth mouthwash given to us by his neurologist that he can use to rinse his tongue off. For pain That's another thing yeah. that CBD oil and these other products that we have from um, the companies we work with have been helpful because they help with pain relief too. Right. So do you think right. that the CBD oil is also helping like with his, with anxiety? Because we know that our kids on the spectrum sometimes um, experience anxiety in ways yes. that you may not and, and they're unable to tell us what's making them anxious yeah that's right yes. I, I, I think it does help with that mm-hmm. uh that's an added benefit mm-hmm. i do agree yes it definitely does okay. does he have any i know that he's older now and he may have had some when he was younger but are there any repetitive behaviors that he has yeah. not so much anymore like you said he did he did have a lot he used to stem a lot. He used to repeat everything uh, that we would say. He had uh, echolalia. That's when you repeat yeah. when what you echolalia when you repeat what you you ask him. So you say, "Corey, you okay?" He replied, "Corey, you okay?" Now he would say, "Okay" or "Fine." It gives you some some uh, um, appropriate response. Uh, repetitive. Yeah, he, he. I think he a lot for the most part. He grew out of that. I would say, yeah, we still do see that echolalia, though, to be, yeah. we, we still see it, depending, you know. So but, but what he would do is, if he does happen to say, repeat it, he reply with an appropriate answer. That's true. You know? So is Corey, are you okay? Or am I okay? I'm okay. Yeah. You know, so that. it's almost as if he's thinking about what you said, mm-hmm. and then he's answering. I do notice he's doing right now what I can see from the um, the camera we have in the room. He's been chewing on his fingernails. Yeah. That's another kind of uh, behavior we've noticed lately. Um, and not always, but when he does it, it's it's kind of continual. Yeah, so. he chews on it for a while. He actually doesn't stop. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. But other than that, I can't think of. Does he do it to where he's breaking the skin? Sometimes. We usually get to the place where we stop him before he gets there. Um, right. We try to, I, my theory is, and watching when it happens, it's usually when he's just decided he's not really doing anything. So I try to engage him then. And say, okay, well, then let's do something. Right. You know, maybe we go, I don't know, let's find something to do. We go for a walk or let, let's do something. He's bored. Color, right. Color, paint, write something, yeah. you know. Um, so we don't see it as often because we kind of intervene yep. before it gets to that place. But it has happened to that degree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, time has come and time has gone. 
<laughs> Do you have anything else that you want to ask Becky? I wanted to say something to the to the echolalia because mm. I speak to police officers about how to engage with our persons with autism which they encounter them in the community. And I just started letting them know that they they may hear some of echolalia and what it is, right? Mm. So I say to them, you ask if you run into an individual who may not have a lot of language and you say to them, hey, we're your mother and who are you here with? Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to say back to you, hey, who's your mother? Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that's classic, right? And so they're looking at me and I'm like, yeah, you really have to know this. So they're not being sarcastic in any way. Right. right. They're just repeating what, you, what you've said. Because exactly. that's all they know, right? Yes. Wow. Bless you. Thank you so, so much. So don't, don't take it personal. Yes. Right. Oh, my God. That's so big. That's so huge that you're doing that. We can't thank you enough for that. Because if you don't know, then you don't know. Right. And it could, it could sound like someone's just being disrespectful. Right. And that's not the case. I, I, you, you have such far reach with this. We appreciate that. I, anytime I've ever been stopped for a speeding ticket, which is not often. But every time I have been, <laughs> every time, Kansas, every, every time, time. anytime, <laughs> I happen to have had a, a, a pullover. I make it a point to introduce the officer to Corey. You know, I kind of I roll the window down just to say after we finished everything, I just want you to meet my son. And I'm wondering if you've had any training around this area because that's so important. And exposure is all is all they need. Education. So thank you for that. I'm so glad you're doing that. That's that's going to save a lot of people. It yes. is. Yes, I, 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 I pray that it does. I pray mm-hmm. that it does. Aid mm-hmm. to the man. Yes. <laughs> because when you're informed, when you know better, you do better. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. So we want to thank you, Keith and Candace Grant. You all are so wonderful. And we appreciate the time that you take away from your day and your family too share your stories with us and to share the information. You come with a wealth of information that we pray and hope can help other people and, you know, truly believe that it will. So mm-hmm. keep on doing what you're doing. And we know that Corey is in good hands. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you both. Thank, thank you. you for everything that you're offering to the community. We really yes. appreciate you both. Thank you. Yes, we do. And what we want the listening audience to take away from what you all shared here today is that you are totally in tune to your son. Yes. And that's what we want those folks who are living with a person or your child, pretty much, Mm -hmm. who's on the autism spectrum, be in tune. Yes. Yes. Because only you are going to know what's going on. Yes. Especially if they are unable to communicate with you exactly what they're feeling. Yes, I love that. That's so critical. Everything about our experience, Corey tells us this, and more recently, the walk through the health um, experiences that he's having right now have reiterated that to us. We we know things that sometimes medical professionals think they know. Absolutely, so you're right. Being in tune with your child and really paying attention pays off. It, it really does. does. It does. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you all continue to advocate for autism. Continue to be the great parents that you are. And remember. God chose you. It was not by accident. God chose you. Thank you. And and just to let you know, and I don't know if Becky has told you uh, 
let's talk about it. The Autism Center is having a bowling event here in Charlotte on April 23rd. Yes. And um, it's, you know, in in the spirit of uh, April being Autism Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. So we're having our inaugural Autism Awareness Bowl. um, Yeah. So um, we will forward the information to you. Hopefully you can participate if you get like five or six of you together it's like one group price or you pay you know individually but um you know we're just trying to be out here and continuing the 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 community engagement and um to gear up community support so that we can continue to do what we do and educate people about autism in our communities Thank you, did. I mentioned that to me. And I told her we were going to, Corey loves to bowl. Yeah. We, we still hibernate a lot around here, but if we could stick our heads in, that would be so cool. Even yeah. if it's just, I guess we'd have to explain why we're sticking our heads in and not staying. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, if you get a, if you get a number of people together, you can have your own, um, your own lane. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. That. Yeah. yeah. And at least okay. I will, I will start sharing. I got to share that on Facebook. That's yeah. so great. That's so great. Thank you again. Yes, I'll make sure I do share. I've got to remember to do that now. Awesome sauce. <laughs> all right. Thank you all. It's been thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it, guys. Yeah, take, care. Right. take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. This is your autism moment on Autism in Color. One of the things about uh, police officers is like uh, part of their job entails them going into situations and trying to figure out like what's wrong and especially in america cops are pretty bad at de-escalating and they usually run into situations trying to find the problem or like look for the problem so the initial response from most american police officers isn't going in and seeing this person who is in some sort of distress and going in and going, oh, I'm going to de-escalate the situation and help this individual. Their response is usually, what's wrong? What? How, why is this person like doing this? What's the disturbance to this community? Oh, like they're the problem. I need to, I need to arrest them or get them somewhere else or like because they're tripping. Like they, and uh, another thing with being autistic is like cops could come up to you and like you're stimming and stuff and you're like freaking out they're gonna think you're on drugs and then they're just treating you really really bad and then the situation just escalates and then you're having a meltdown and then they're hurting you and then it's just man getting worse and then blah, blah, blah. and then if you're black and autistic you're even more scared because you don't even get the chance <laughs> so it's like you, you don't you just you with cops i kind of just don't <laughs> I just try to stay away because I myself don't really I I don't know what to do to cue an officer that I'm autistic other than like hey I'm autistic but what if I'm freaking out before then or like you know what you yeah so that's just a hard situation I guess I guess that's I guess that's my conclusion I don't really I don't really know uh go into situations trying to de-escalate more that's that's just that's all i can give you de-escalation over uh antagonization 
This has been the Autism Moment. This is your girl Siobhan from Autism in Color. And LaBecky and I wanted to remind you to like Autism in Color, subscribe to Autism in Color, and most importantly, to share Autism in Color. Because we at Autism in Color give families the opportunity to share their unique experiences, their challenges, and their triumphs. We at Autism in Color are keeping autism on the table and in the conversation. So don't forget, like, subscribe, and share.